0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Zen Benefiel, author, TV host, and executive director of the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement. During his near-death experience, went into the light and beyond, and then into the indigo, where he was surrounded by points of consciousness. Zen, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome.
2: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jeff. That uh, We've had a wonderful chat prior to, and this ought to be just a, a great conversation.
1: Yes, it will. Now, Zen, if you don't mind, can we start on the day your NDE happened and go from there?
2: Well, since that's all I am is mind, I, I guess I wouldn't matter, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> or mind over matter.
2: Exactly. Well, according to uh Dr. Irvin Laszlo, I had a conversation with him recently, used the quantum physics thing, you know, that we're 99% space, 1% matter. And he said, I would argue that we're 100% space. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, makes sense because it's all energy, right? It just vibrates at different levels and condenses into form um, at low vibratory rates. So jumping off from there, Um, My N.D. happened in my first year uh, of college. Uh, I was in a pre-med program at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. Um, I had come back from first quarter and we were on quarter break and I was just distraught. Now, a little precursor to that, I was orphaned and adopted. So there was a lot more questions going on uh, beyond the, okay, what am I here to do? What You know, all that kind of stuff. And it was so serious, and I was so um, bereft of direction, I hit my knees, and I prayed to know, uh, now this is what was really bizarre, I prayed to know what truth was, and I was willing to die for it if necessary. And it was something I offered with every ounce of my being. And for an 18-year-old, that was kind of an odd (laughs) prayer to offer, I guess, but it was unbeknownst to me it initiated a rite of passage that few people have the privilege of taking um so that was on uh, a weekend um having come back getting ready for school i think it's probably on a friday night or something like that the friday the following tuesday afternoon it was 11 11 1975 uh before the 11 11 i even knew what the heck that was about right um so it's Tuesday afternoon. You might hear a little moody blues going on in the background now. I came back from class, and um, you know, it was mid seventies. I all I uh, living living in the honors dorm, bunch of heads. So we partook in things, and yes, we did inhale. So I came, <laughs> you know, the, kind of the the ritual coming back from class, in between class and homework, was doing a bong hit, listening to an album, right? So this is my regular meditation and i'm laying across my dorm room bed listening to journey's first album second song called in the morning day right in between the vocals and the vamp there is a pause and in that pause this voice i'd been familiar with that i connected with because of of my i found out i was adopted when they brought my sister home at four and a half and it took me inside asking a lot of questions, you know, who's my birth parents, why did they give me up, that kind of stuff. But I also questioned, do I have a father and mother in heaven? And can I talk to them? And sure enough, a few months later, a voice kind of came out of the dark and just simply said, Hey, you. And I spun around to ask my mother if she heard it, because I knew she should have. And she said, no. And at, even at that age, I realized there was something going on inside that was different and still real because I couldn't deny what I heard. And so I developed a conversation with that voice and it, it's been there my entire life. So this voice asked me in this pause between the vocals and the vamp, and it says, uh, and my given name is Bruce, is Bruce, would you, would you, are you willing to die for what you believe in? And I paused for a moment after kind of clenching, right? Because ah, here you are having this experience and now confronted with this question, right? Never expecting it, it would actually happen when I offered the prayer. So I'm thinking, hmm, what do we believe in? Christ consciousness was the first thing that came up. It felt a little empty. I didn't question why I felt it was a little empty. I just moved on. My next thought was cosmic consciousness. And it felt full, no gaps, right? And so I said, yes. Well, as soon as I said, yes, this guitar riff comes on. that uh, Neil Sean does sounds like a rocket ship taking off. And simultaneously, I get a tug from my solar plexus and I pop out of my body. I'd had multiple OBEs and learned about those when I was young, started at seven, I think. So I was totally comfortable. It was like, whoo hoo!" Right, and I turn around. And I look at my body, laying across my dorm room bed, and I turn back to look where I'm going. And before I can get fully turned around, I'm engulfed by this brilliant white light that feels like home. Right, I mean, just so penetrating, and it had a uh, an iridescent, effervescent, really high pitched sensation that came along with it then i realize i'm analyzing this so i'm thinking wow i can't be dead (laughs) another and yet i'm surrounded by this light i have there's an individuated self i'm thinking but i feel like i'm part of this whole and not having a body in that place looking around i'm not seeing anything but the white light so i have a, a impetuous teenager moment of wow is there more and not knowing i just asked the question and i have a, a sense of a movement and then i'm in this indigo background with points of light surrounding me and as before i could get the question fully thought through i mean you know have you you have the question and then you actually think the words and so in between the thinking, the question, and having the words come through in my head, I intuitively knew that they were points of consciousness, whether in body or not. I wasn't sure because I knew I wasn't. So I could only assume that I was one of those points of light as well. Now, that's when the voice began again. And this just it blew me away then. It'll probably <laughs> kind of trigger your audience a little bit. And maybe provide a nice warm fuzzy too the voice says, these are those that you are to work with in order to facilitate a new world order. It will happen in your lifetime. Know this to be true. Your path will be full of trials and tribulations. Have faith and trust that everything you need will be there at its appointed time. Trust and allow. And on the W, I feel a rush of energy and I'm back in my body taking a gulp of air. Now, I don't open my eyes because it just feels so good coming back into my body. And it's like I'm experiencing it for the first time, fully conscious now and just feeling the, the integration take place. And I'm letting that happen throughout the rest of the album. And then I got up and I'm like, oh, man, what the, you know, WTF just happened to me and so that's was the beginning of it i came out of it with several immediate realizations one there is no death two we are cosmic consciousness condensed into form as that point of light we bounce back and forth between here and the white light for however many times till we get the memo that that's what we are and then we begin to evolve in consciousness from that place and that the universe is impeccable in its delivery.
1: Zen, thank you for sharing that experience with us. Do you feel that it was an OBE or do you feel like you were near death? And and that's why you Well, let's popped look at it this way. I
2: was asked the question are you willing to die for what you believe in? And I committed to that. Hmm. So is that an NDE? Is it a full? Right, because I went right. into light and beyond, right? You know, these kind of questions. I don't know that we have the answers for that completely yet. Because one of the first things that I did is I started comparing my experiences to everything I could find, right? Uh, Raymond Moody's books, Far Journeys, you know, Robin Rose books, um, Be Here Now, um, Bhagavad Gita, Rig Vedas, Vedas, Upanishads, Koran. Um, I'd already read the Bible a bunch, uh, all the things that and I was even introduced to the Urantia book mm. during that period. Mm. So I had all of these references that I'm looking for points of order, right. That I can see as at least a similar, um, if not same situation process, realization, you know, um, opportunity, if you will. And in talking with Dr. Laszlo uh, as well, you know, this, all stems from what the Vedas talk about. Now, they are 15,000 years old. What they speak of is this unity consciousness that we are all a part of and yet individuate from. So that kind of led me, uh, not just that, but long before that, I realized that if we consider that and we are con- cosmic consciousness condensed into form, then If we are individuated, that means we potentially have a perfected form, fit, and function in the world in accordance with that kind of lineage, right? Natural order, in other words. Finely tuned, still natural order. And it's embedded within us and our genetic codes as well, because that's part of what the gig is, as I understand it, right? We signed up for it. And so now we're finding out, okay, how do we play the instrument, let alone in concert, right? Which is the body. And there's a bunch of references recently that have come out about that kind of intelligence and the references to it in science. There's a, a woman named Valentina Morovna, who's a Russian academia, um, she's got degrees uh, PhD level I'm not sure how they describe it in uh, microbiology and astrophysics and so she her dissertation is on YouTube it came out in 2018 and she calls it the global mutation in humanity it's in Russian but it's got mm-hmm. English subtitles and it is a dissertation so it's kind of monotonistic and you know rather boring but the man the details that she gets into Phenomenal. So here's another reference, right? And then um, and Close have a model, uh, quantum physics model that they call the Triadic Dimensional Distinction Vortical Paradigm. And what they say is that we consciousness is tethered across, consciousness space and time are tethered across nine dimensions of consciousness. That doesn't eliminate the other dimensions. Right, Just limits it to, in the physical experience, this is what we have access to. Then there's the William Swigard model that came out of the 50s called multi-plane awareness that also has nine planes of consciousness. Only it has an experiential element to it with a facilitator that that can take one through them. So you can have a direct experience of it. That's how I was first introduced, 1989. And so then, you know, when you, when you're looking for these things and you're looking for the models, solfezio tones, nine, uh, spiral dynamics model, nine, and these are all related to consciousness, right? Because the tones and, and um, uh, it's just amazing. when you start looking for stuff,
0: what you can find. Yeah.
1: Who do you think the voice was? And are you still in communication with this being?
2: Uh, does it matter? And yes.
1: Can you speculate?
2: Why do I have to have an identity for the voice? It's been impeccable in what it's delivered. So why do I need a category or a label or a title or anything? This is one of the things in the rest of the universe doesn't work like that. We like labels, right? We like compartments, especially guys, right? <laughs> we do inventory. So we got the bins where the parts are, and, you know, labels on each one of them or computer files, right? Same kinds of things. Well, in the realms of the vibratory experience, there's no titles, there's no labels, there's only frequency and the resonance and what it holds as um, information that it dispenses or exchanges or uh, reciprocates
1: it's never crossed your mind. Like, is this my higher self? Is this source? Is this a guide?
2: I don't know that I want to be so pompous as to put a label on it, that it seems to diminish, you know, anytime you try to categorize or put a label on something, you limit it. Um, You know, some could call it God. Right. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I base my life on an experience system rather than a belief system. And all of those things are included in belief systems. So in order to shift the paradigm, you got to shift the paradigm.
1: That makes sense. I mean, you just trust the voice and, and
2: faith, love, and trust.
0: That's and, what runs everything.
1: And you're honest that you don't know who or what this is. You just trust in the voice and listen. Mm-hmm. Now you said that you, were in the realm, or when you were in the realm, it was like a high-pitched sensation. You mean that
2: iridescent, uh, effervescent, high-pitched?
1: So that's visually speaking. No, no, high-pitched well, energetically.
2: You know how? Imagine if you were carbonated water and you had a consciousness, right? And you'd feel those bubbles, right? It's that kind of warm, dizzy, fuzzy. Um you know it, but with a high pitched sensation, it's like this really high pitched vibration right that you just become part of and are sensitive
0: to, and so it relates these um sensory
2: input kinds of things that that gives you um the ability to recognize and resonate and or discern things that don't resonate truth for instance when someone speaks it you feel it right you know in your gut that it's true doesn't have to do with the belief you just there's this sense of knowing Right, that resonates, and, and your first brain's your gut anyway. So that's where you're connected with all this, with the vibratory realms. You process for second in your heart, which is second brain. And then you make choices because you've got clear data in your head instead of the opposite, which is what Western man does. And most of the Easterns, this is an indigenous philosophy. It's been around for thousands of years. We just don't pay attention to it. It's like, you know, the, uh, the Brahmi, which is Sanskrit spoken. Uh, namaste, right, it means the divine in me recognizes divine in you, and then uh, the Mayans in Laketch means I am another you. Right, so these evidences of a greater opportunity have been around for thousands of years, but we've been too busy satiating the senses trying to figure out how we can acquire and, and, you know, uh, assemble the uh, toy, you know, have toys, have all the things, the accoutrements, and, and um, which ends up leaving us empty and void of fulfillment.
1: Do you feel like the experience was spiritually transformative? And if so, how did you change afterwards?
0: Great question.
2: Um, absolutely spiritually transformative. How did I change afterwards? I got further, you know, before, I've always been um, in that way serving, I was Master Counselor of the Dean Lay Chapter at 15, which for your viewers, Dean Lay is a young men's Masonic Lodge, kind of a precursor to, and at 14 to 21, so I was Master Counselor at 15. Um, Those kinds of, I've always been a touchy-feely, warm, loving, you know, uh, caring, person so that part of me didn't change at all what changed right afterwards my parents uh having told them sent me to a psychiatrist and after the third visit the psychiatrist says um you know you're not crazy you've described a spiritual awakening why so young i don't understand because most people don't go through it till the mid 40s if they ever do and then uh, he said, well, hang on a second. Come here. I want to show you something. And he had his office in a two-story historic home in Anderson, Indiana. He takes me upstairs and opens up the door and my heart just literally explodes. And I'm like, well, what the hell's going on here? And I look in the room, there's all kind of, you know, I, I didn't know the term then so much, but there's all kinds of metaphysical symbols and posters and bookshelves full. And right inside the, the door was a deck of tarot, or um, card table with a deck of tarot cards on it and I'm like i'm thinking to myself you're a psychiatrist what the, f-? you know mm-hmm. and he looks at me and i'm sure he sees my puzzled look and he says you know what those are and i said yeah they're tarot cards and he says you know what they're for i said yeah they're for asking questions and getting answers and he says well oh, have you ever had your cards read and i said no he said would you like and i said i'd love to so <clears throat> we sat down he did a regular spread I don't remember the deck and uh, brought out things that I hadn't talked about that I knew and had a sense of. And so they came out in the reading at the end of it. He says, you know, my best advice to you is keep your mouth shut. People aren't going to understand you at your age. Hmm. Did I? Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the following year I bought two sets of drums Put them in my dorm room, spent half the year room and board money, had to move out at the beginning of winter break because of that. Found a place to stay. Miserable conditions, middle of winter, no heat, no running water, just electricity. A few days later, um, coming back to school. 77 below zero windshield factor. I make it to school. Um, I didn't have a vehicle at the time, I hitchhiked in and uh, I was lucky I made it there alive. Got through school that day and ended up after midnight knocking on doors at frat row looking for a place to stay warm and I was a long-haired hippie right my beard was down here my hair was even further and I knock on the door of this one frat house and the guy opens it up and he's in my stats class I'm like dude he's a dude what the hell are you doing <laughs> right he says I'm I'm just looking for a place to stay warm till morning so I can figure out what to do he's yeah come on in so meanwhile, later on, I, I got to use bathroom and one of the guys sees me that doesn't like me being in there and uh, altercation happens. I end up at the hospital. And my dad comes pick me up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm glad you're here. He said, no, I don't think so. I think you're going to need to spend some time. And I'm thinking bloated head. I got I got stitches and bloated head, possible concussion, overnight observation. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <clears throat> Couple orderlies walk up, they pull me. they'll pull me. We walk under the elevator, they take me up to the seventh floor, doors open up. There's this big black guy with a wad of keys on his belt, wooden door next to him, little bitty window, right? Wired. And he stands up and he's ah, I got another one for me, huh? And that's when I knew I was going into the psych ward. So they took me in and um put me on 2000 milligrams or micrograms of Thorazine a day for doses of 500 a piece. I should have been a lump in the corner. I wasn't, I was up playing ping pong. They could not figure me out. Finally, when I told the doc what he wanted to hear, which I tried to tell him what I, my truth, right. What was going on in my life? What was happening? Didn't want to hear it. He wanted to hear, Oh yeah, I've been doing a bunch of drugs and I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. So when I finally told him that, it was like, he told my parents, Oh, miracle cure. He's coming around. (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. You know what? Idiots. Um, And yet I got through it fortunately and and got out and uh, got weaned off the drugs and, and got married shortly thereafter.
1: After your NDE, did you notice any cognitive changes that could be considered psychic
2: oh i already had those
1: any new ones they
2: were intensified yeah they so i had inklings um there was a group of people that knew how to communicate telepathically and we just found each other one night we my friend and i were in my dorm room and um we were actually we were tripping and um, across the way, across the road, eight stories up, we could see these two shadows in the window. And we heard these women's voices, girls' voices. And we thought they were listening to us. And and so I started talking with them and it was like, then they were communicating and I'm thinking, okay, hmm, I'm just not going to believe this is happening or imagine it. Let's find out. And I said to them, okay, if this is real and you're actually talking with us, you meet us downstairs and, Let's go talk, and they're like, "Okay, ten minutes, deal." So, in this middle of winter, we put on uh, coats, walk downstairs, walk out. Nobody there, but we have this feeling that we're like being pulled over to the side of the dorm into this area that that was quite open in between the, the dorm and the cafeteria. And so we go around the corner, and here's a cir- circle of people. That one person is lobbing a snowball actually we popped a couple more but they were silently nobody was saying a word and as we walked around and got quiet we could hear the person who was throwing it say something to the person they were throwing it to as a means of demonstrating that the communication was happening it was just phenomenal and so from there we kind of we found a small click of uh, six or eight that we started experimenting with, okay, I'm going to meet you at this time on this corner duh. Right. And, uh, and then show up and sure enough, it was working. And then I met some guys that were in Scientology and, uh, one of them actually played in the movie with Paul Winters or Paul Williams early on the, uh, the one about the, uh, the mask guy, um, paradise something or other i can't remember the name of at any rate these guys were highly telepathic too and so we could just sit and have conversations and interject words every once in a while And this is kind of weird because when when you're having these conversations you know they're going on but you're not quite sure because it's so new and so different that you really aren't sure and and yet you don't want to screw it up right by questioning it too hard so that it doesn't happen uh, which can happen and then um, this same friend that i was telling you about that I was in my dormer with um, later he uh, the following year he went to and he and i did a lot of experimentation we'd get out of body and um, float around the the dorm and go downstairs and watch people in the lounge playing cards and uh pool or ping pong and whatever and and then we'd come back upstairs and get back (laughs) our bodies and then we would go in our bodies down to the lounge and start talking to people about what they were doing and of course that made people kind of go oh you're freaking weird right um and then there were other times the following year that uh, he was in canada at his grandfather's place a couple thousand miles away And his girlfriend that was in our circle last year, we didn't know where she was. Hadn't heard from her. I was waiting for him to come back for winter quarter. He wasn't back yet. I'd called his parents several times, finally called him, you know, excuse me. I called him and and they said, no, he wasn't here yet. So the previous week, so I finally, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try our telepathic communications, see what I can find out. So I put on a, a take by White Witch to a song called Help Me, Lord. And I laid down and, and I went in and I pictured his face, which is what our method was, looked into his eyes. Right? That's kind of the, the nutshell of it. And then I imagined grabbing him by the shoulders and stab, standing him up so I could see his entire body. And then we talked for a while throughout the song. Carolyn, his girlfriend, her ex-girlfriend, um, she came in. And the three of us were having a conversation song ended. It was like, okay, got to go. Came back. It went about my business. That was on a Saturday morning, probably, I don't know, one, two o'clock in the morning. Following Friday, I call his parents' house. He answers the phone out of breath. And I said, dude, what in." He says, dude, I just got home. I knew that was you on the phone. So I ran in to answer it. I said, cool. We still got it. He said, yep, we do. So I said, a couple hours, enough time to get settled in i got someone to talk to you about i said yeah that's great so i go over to pick him up we talked to his parents for a while then we get out in the car and first question i ask him nothing else hey did you catch any flack last weekend he looks at me and he says yeah you son of a bitch you woke me up out of bed i'm like what he said yeah i was laying there sound asleep somebody grabbed me by the shoulders and sat me up in bed I opened my eyes up. There was your face. Behind your face was Carolyn's. We talked for a while. You guys left. I went back to bed. A week and a half later, he gets a postcard from a Krishna camp in California. And they have these postcards that have the the listing of all the camps along the coast. Santa Barbara was circled. Other than his address, all it said was, Enjoyed the conversation, and it was Carolyn's handwriting. She was 3,000 miles or 2,000 miles to the west, he was 2,000 miles to the north. Right, and here we are, 19 years old. I was 19 at the time. This was real, we had confirmation from multiple angles. Well, what do you do with that? I don't know, right? It's a sacred gift or art that cannot be used for anything other than our best for each other right because you can't attach any kind of malevolent energy like the guys from outer space that are coming here right traveling through consciousness space and time you have to have a particular vibratory rate in order to be able to do that no malevolent could be in that none and yet there's all these stories of the malevolent you know extraterrestrials that are here trying to manipulate humanity and eh, bullshit hmm. so when you understand all of that having been inside all of this stuff and, and having a direct experience of it you build understanding of it over time that you know it's an it just makes sense from every angle both science and spirituality
1: at this time can you still get out of body at will And if so, what is the best way to do that?
2: Oh, I don't want to hurt Will. You know, if I get out of body, (laughs) I might knock him over. Um, I don't attempt it as much as I used to because I'm enjoying life so much as it is in the physical because all of these, it's like a convergence that's happening uh, over this since COVID started, right? So back to the new world order. You're probably wondering, well, what does that really mean? Is this yes. part of the globalist agenda? And, you know, who are you? No, it's not. Actually, I have an inter- a great interview with Jeffrey Mishlove on New Thinking Aloud mm-hmm. called A New World Order that will go into the depths of what I'm talking about, if you want to hear more. Um, what it is, though, is harmony among people and planet. Simple as that. Well, How do you get there? A global peace movement, right? a global peace movement, right? How does that come about? Well, COVID, right? You got to have a massive event around the world that creates a space for this to happen. Everybody gets a chance to obsess on self-hygiene and sequestrate. That's a real hard one to say. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And turn inward as a result. Start questioning who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, what you want to do with it, how you want to behave, right? All that kind of stuff. So... Um, And when COVID started, that's exactly what I said to my wife. I really hope this, uh, and being from St. Petersburg, you know, the Russians are really hard-nosed characters about being in integrity, right? And so she, I I turned to her and I said, you know, I really hope this gets people to, the obsession on self-hygiene and sequestration gets people to turn inward and we can start growing, right? And let's see what evidence we see in a few months of, of that happening. Well.
0: And, and yet this, there was this un, undifferentiating or
2: um, undeniable sense that here's the beginning. Because my whole life I've been questioning, okay, I, what do I need to do to prepare? How can I? How do I need to be? What skill set do I need? All this kind of stuff. And then here we are, here it's beginning. So the beginning, we just kind of life didn't change for us she's got a piano studio Um, it actually got better for us during all that period then in April of 2021 she says you because I had a uh, uh, let me precursor this with I did a tv show back in the early 90s that was about interviewing people and how they got where they were at what prompted them to do what they're doing from both inner and outer perspectives what fears they encountered, more importantly, how they overcame them, and how they saw that fitting into the common human experience around them. She loved those shows. I only got 18 out of 120 left, but those are all online, and it was just something called One World. So 2021 comes around, and she says, hey, you really need to start, start talking to people again. And I knew it would be a labor of love, and, and you know, we were still, we just got married in 2017. And so we were beginning our life together and finances were important and I, I couldn't bear to say, Hey, would you mind if, so I had to patiently wait for her to say, would you please? <laughs> so that happened. And by June, I had shows in the can and started airing it on YouTube in January of this year. I interviewed the founder of one world, uh, the, sorry, uh, live and let live, who is the principal of a. Law firm, a defense attorney here in town, and their firm founded the movement. So there's, you know, everybody's got rules and stuff, litany of rules for stuff. We got two, right? Don't be an aggressor, and be a good human. Pretty simple, right? So how we do that is going to be the be the differentiation of the difference of bringing people together. There's lots of silos out there. Back to the I wonder what will happen a few months from now looking for the evidence of whether people are tuning in and and turning, turning on, so to speak. Right. So there's all these virtual groups that are starting to form with people of conscience, with consciousness that are trying to figure out how to work together to do stuff. Right. And there's all kinds of different organizations and things you've witnessed that I'm sure. Um, One of the ones that started in 2019 was the global regenerative or regen, Yeah. Global Regenerative collab, who's a, a group of a bunch of highly skilled professionals that have been in industry and they want to apply their stuff together to help assist this regenerative culture movement and community. Then in 2020, the life or the, uh, I keep pointing the wrong side, which is my left hand. I don't know. Um, am I confused? Maybe so the founders of live and let lives launched it in august of 2020 with just you know small website nothing spectacular by the time then in january i interviewed the founder and in february i he asked me to step in i made the mistake of or maybe not mistake but i i wouldn't it was so important to me i needed to let him know what my skill set level was and i told him it you know i'd I could uh, handle executive director if you need one that's the skill set that i have and he said well we got one right now but good to know and so that was in uh beginning of february beginning of march he says hey i got this gal over in hawaii that wants to be part of it too would you mind sharing leadership role and i'm like absolutely man feminine masculine at the head of an organization how perfect can that be right he says okay that's great um i want you to meet her first see if there's you know see if you guys actually get along so we had a few conversations Uh, amazing connection compatible complementary skill sets across the board and so we said, yep, let's do it. And so mid March, we became, uh, I got the title, and she's the uh, executive director and she's the events executive. And here we are. We've got, when we came in, we already had 30 chapters in 19 countries. So there's an appeal there. So now we're, you know, using this consciousness. we're talking about with asking the right questions you know um, querying not only the audience which are the people who are interested but querying ourselves and the movement itself it has a consciousness right and so we ask it what do you need and then we you know start talking about how things are evolving and this the uh, the work breakdown structures, our administrational uh, critical path schedule and, and how we have things. Cause you know, we're both, I've, I've got two masters degrees in business and, and she's got a, a master's in international management, right? So it's like, <laughs> why not? Um, I mean, the universe supplies things so eloquently when we ask and we don't try to answer with our own knowledge. We just let go, have faith love and trust and anticipate the answers showing up because they do. That's how it works. I live my life that way. You know, I just turned 65. I've got a new career now. And I feel like I'm going to live to be 120. And I'm in that kind of shape, right? Um, So as these vibratory rates increases, you know, you get younger, you feel younger, which is supposed to be part of that package, Right. And so how can we not, right? Why would we want to resist something like that? And at this time, especially, there's this whole notion, and especially with the 2012 thing, that there's this new time. There's, you know, years ago, the golden age of enlightenment's coming, right? Uh, so there's all kinds of things. All the calendars have lined up. The ancient calendars say this period is going to be great for this, Um So we're just happening to show up to fill the roles,
0: right? And it's such, there's such awe in that to realize it's so far
2: beyond us and yet very much a part of us as we are stepping into it continually seeking the flow. It's not a push or pull. Can't do that. Doesn't work that way, right? It's acquiescing.
1: Would you say that the new world order would be anything like what people call the Ascension?
2: Same thing. Now the differentiation people. Okay. So there, there's some quandary about how different people feel about Ascension. They think that, Oh, we're going to go five D and there, you know, there's going to be this five D earth that separates from the, the other one or the Nibiru's going to come and then all this kind of stuff. No, that's not how it works. It's a vibratory shift. Your consciousness elevates. The physical structures aren't going to change. How, how we interact with them will. Because this is now about where you focus your attention, intention,
0: and then your interaction. This is like the law of attraction on steroids. It's a very disciplined.
2: Effort. You've got to manage your mind in order to achieve it, which means being able to quiet it, ask questions, shut
0: up, listen.
2: Right. And that can be done through various forms, whether it's meditation, whether it's engaging in a sport that totally just absorbs your consciousness and that makes you feel like you're totally in the moment, because that's where that information is going to come through. Right when you're totally committed to the moment, you're not thinking in the past or the future, at all. You have to be in the present. Whether it's you know playing an instrument, uh, playing a sport, meditating, could be reading a book. You know, there's all kinds, many paths to the same top of the mountain.
1: Can you give us some practical bridges between science, spirituality, and daily living?
0: Hmm.
2: First of all, I'll say yes. And now we'll come up with them. All right. I I do have some particular methods that I use and teach being a a transformational life coach. I I impart a lot of things to my clients. One of the most important that I learned as a teenager was putting your fingertips together. You can do this too, Jeff. All right. Practice with Right. Play along. (laughs) Um, Put your fingertips together and
0: feel your heartbeat in them. Deepen your breath just a little bit. Breathe a little more naturally. And just feel your heartbeat in your fingertips.
2: Right? Now, initially, it's going to come sporadically because you're going to realize, oh, I'm feeling them. And you're going to start thinking. It's gone. Right? The purpose of this is to stay feeling, not thinking.
0: Because when you feel your heartbeat, you're officially out of your head. So that's a really
2: cool, simple way to practice the discipline. The thing is, you got a tool now. It's no good if you don't use it. Right? Another practical method is if you're, and let's go to the very uh, concrete kind of stuff. If you got a vision or you, you have an idea of creating something whether it be a business or whatever write down your vision of it what's that do it causes you to think and be deliberate with your intention your attention is on the project your intention is of getting it down on paper so that you can at least have that next step and then the interaction is in between your body and the paper because you're intending to write it down. Now, as you develop this continually, then you start breaking down the action items that are necessary to achieve it, right? So you, it's like a um, cascades backwards, right? And this is the technique that all the entrepreneurs who made it anywhere start with the end in mind, right? You got the vision. They, how, do you, how does that come about? You start asking questions. how did that happen? How did this happen? How did that happen? How did this happen, right? And then you just, because you've obviously got the skill set to achieve the vision or you wouldn't have it, then you've got the ability to make the plans to achieve it. And then that comes down into the black and whites of creating a business plan or at least a operational plan or something like that that then you can begin to share with others and, and build the ripple out from that direction and attract those that you need in order to fill whatever roles are necessary. It may not, you may not need that. It may just be for you alone, mm-hmm. right? But you've got to have the discipline. Don't just be a dreamer. You know, I'm a dreamer. My business <laughs> is be the dream, right? I've had it for uh, since 1988. and I'm about molding possibilities into reality. Anything can happen through a conversation and asking questions and just being patient to let it show you how to do it.
1: It sounds like you're describing manifesting, but with practical application and effort.
2: Absolutely.
1: Is it possible to manifest... With just energetically, with un- unconsciously,
2: yes, absolutely. That's what we've been doing. That's why you know we have this period of time to take a look at how we've been manifesting, and it took a place where everybody had to take a look. Now, considering the uh, the Mayan calendar, let's just go there for a second with um, or for a moment. Thousand one, doesn't work. <laughs> I can't truncate it that much. Uh, so for a moment, and we're we're extended. 2012 is the apex of the 50 year uh, segue in between the Pisces and the Aquarian age. And up to that, there was an escalation of awareness and consciousness. We're all aware of that. We can see it through everything that is available to view almost parallels the information curve. So 2012 happens. then what? That's the apex. So now this is fully available to you. You're exploring it. At least you're aware and you're engaging. And now, what happens? You take it everywhere. So what happens from that? Other people are affected. What happens from that? All the stuff that doesn't vibe right comes to the surface for everybody to see because it's not fitting. What happens with that? Well, you got a whole world that goes, Oh, here's a major hiccup. Something's <laughs> and so the silver lining in that is the coming back together again in a new paradigm, but you got to completely break the old one in order for that to happen. Now the world doesn't have to fall for that, right? Apocalypse does not mean
0: catastrophic events. The word means uncovering knowledge.
2: Now you ask nine out of 10 people what apocalypse means and i will pretty much guarantee you they will say end of the world not what it means that's what the prescriptive folks would have you believe it means so that you're fearful of it which in that state you cannot become
0: conscious because consciousness is fearless it's just energy How we choose to qualify it is through our awareness. And we create the reality that we experience. Now, if you doubt that, audience,
2: check in. Okay, here's a little experiment for you to do. Become more conscious of how you are feeling in a moment and what's going on around you. Or let's do this in reverse because it's going to be easier Perhaps initially for you to just kind of look at what's going on around you and how you've been feeling internally. And then work on finding that place like we just demonstrated with the the fingertip exercise, and start from that place and watch what happens in your outer world. because you're not going to be attached to the outcome of what's happening. All you're going to be able to do is give your best self to it. And that's all you need to do. It'll work out from there. You don't have to control anything except you. Because that's the only thing you can control. Now, people would argue that, you know, oh, you made me feel this way or you
0: make me. No, sorry, that's your choice. I didn't make you feel any way. So we need to guard, you know, have our guard our loins
2: for that kind of stuff that is self-deprecating, right? That's our own stuff that comes up that limits our ability to grow and understand,
0: and that's ego. That's with that hasn't learned to be we go. Right?
2: it's very individualistic, protective, critical, fearful you know, wanting their stake in the ground kind of thing, right? That's last century. That's the competitive nature of man. We're we're in the cooperative, collaborative, co-creative arena now, and we're shifting into that. There's a lot of, I don't have to go any further. There's so much evidence. I, I don't know that I really need to go into that. For those who just begin to look around, you have to look around because you can find the other two right? <laughs> Especially with the media narrative. It's going to keep you fat, dumb, and happy and fast food, fearful, and full of
0: angst. Is that which one? You, you have a choice. Turn the TV off.
2: Right? Just try to find some other things that, that occupy your time. Read a book. Listen to a, some music or an audio book or change the channel on the tv to you know documentaries or some other kind of um, information movie you know rather than having the narrative stream to the news the regular news channels and stuff like that because those are all owned by a few and how do you you know they're all the tied to the uh, agenda 21 and the globalist agenda and all that kind of stuff world economic forum that's where their heads are at we don't need to be there too We can let that just go. Because you try and fight it. All you're doing is giving it energy. You're a co-creator. Go co-create what you'll want.
0: Find others who are similar to you. Learn how to play together.
1: You mentioned UFOs earlier, traveling through consciousness. Mm, I did. And I believe that Maybe that's the only way you can travel such long distances is if your ship goes into a conscious realm and travels at the speed of thought.
2: You then- don't even need to. Oh, awesome. I love <laughs> what you just touched on, Jeff. Reason being, you don't need a ship. Okay. um, It can help if you're doing, you know, multiples and it makes it a lot easier to, to move with that. However, uh, I had an experience. Uh, uh, Um, with my guide who's Zephyr is his name and he's one of those voices he's not the voice but he's definitely one that's been with me for a while and uh, he came to me during a a process that William Swigard had called a multi-level awareness not the multi-plane a little different and it it's operational capacity as you um Tune into your light body project it above yourself, then you send the light body off and put your conscience in it so that it can go do the experience and then you report back to the facilitator sitting next to you who's asking the questions prompts. Right. And and this is one of the things I don't like about most hypnotherapists is they lead people can't do that. you have got to just ask open questions to get people to have the experience. Now. Um, so we're, he shows up as I'm preparing for this and waves to me and says, come, because i got my eyes closed, right? So I'm seeing the, the inside stuff. And uh, he says, come. And so I'm out of body and, and we're traveling together. And he's, he looks like a ball of light with a Jimmy Durante nose. And I make fun of him and he gives me shit for it. And then uh, we continue on and we kind of do a recap of, of the several years that I hadn't seen him yet and what my progress has been. Meanwhile, I'm asking him where we're going, and he's saying, Don't, you know, never mind, we'll get there. So (laughs) um, eventually, you know, it goes from stars to nothing, to the indigo. And then all of a sudden, we show up at this uh, three sun system. The suns are 50, 60 times bigger than the, I don't know, 10 or 12 planets that are are around it that are uh, lush green colored. Um, And I feel like uh, Jodie Foster in contact when she came through the wormhole. I had this this sense of awe and I know I would have had tears coming down my face because it was just that amazing and we're at the perimeter of it and then these um, the sun's white golden tinged um, rainbow sparkled kind of um, and then as I'm watching this I hear What seems to be these three sons in one voice, and they say, We are not only your forefathers, we are also the forefathers of your solar system. And I started wanting to ask questions, and Zephyr says, Nope, that's all you get, and it's all you need. You'll figure it out. And so back we came. And I'm talking to him a little bit more about it on the way back, and I understood immediately that okay here's the trinity what we call the trinity and so that's a macro what's micro that's easy proton electron neutron space in between it what is holds the consciousness that manifests it. well okay is there any that falls out of that pattern yep hydrogen missing electron okay where's it fit Hmm. most prevalent gas powers the sun bonding agent for our dna helix Hmm. Could that hold the consciousness? Or could that be the medium through which it's transmitted? Don't know. There's still questions. Um however, get back um I should say instead of however and get back I look at the facilitator's wow, that was a wild ride. And I said, "Yeah, how long was it?" And he said, "This is what's weird. It took you 8 minutes to get there and 8 it's to get back so that seems like there was an actual distance involved and the only thing that I knew we could have been traveling at was the speed of thought I had seen a reference to it in one place the Arantia book mm.
0: So I went, oh, okay. <laughs> started
2: leaving through the book. Actually, I had a concordance. Uh, but I started leaving through the concordance trying to find the, the reference to it. Found it. Went to the page. It's 841 trillion miles per second.
1: Wow. They actually have that in the book? Yes. That's amazing.
2: And the reason they have that is because there's a being that is defined as having that capacity. As a messenger.
0: The travel, the speed of thought.
1: Well, it sounds like you did it.
0: One would think, yeah.
2: You know, the the difficulty we live half inside and half outside. I know a little bit more about the inside than most people too, because they're bereft of the inside. And yet it's true. We live half inside and half outside. I'm just we
1: balance that. I'm this is a little side note for everybody that does not know what the Urantia book is I'm going to put a link to a video that I had with an expert on that Urantia book so cool. if you want to learn more about it you can check out that, that video yeah.
2: Mo Siegel owner of Celestial Teas, is a near, uh, Urantia book
1: student yeah, I think like uh, even Carlos Santana is yes and uh, you know that's a whole other podcast well yeah <laughs> because it's yeah, an amazing yeah, I, book
2: I was vending uh, a gig in uh, Tucson that he was playing at and he was out walking the stadium before the gig. And uh, my buddy says, zan, 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 right as you know, Carlos is walking behind me, because he knows how I feel. Carlos is and, um, just amazing. And so he's probably 50, se- 50, 60 feet away by the time I find like, okay, let's go. And I turn around and I see him and he's walking away. And as soon as I turn
0: to look at him, he turns around and looks at me. Both of us. And that's all we did. I didn't, you know, I wanted to give him his space because I know that's his ritual.
2: I didn't want to, you know, but what I really wanted to do is show him a business plan that I had for Spectrum Academy, which is a model school for his kids, because I knew his wife and him had one mm-hmm. and they were starting to, to develop it. And I I just I didn't have the balls. To you know, break my boundaries, and go do it. Yeah, and that's oftentimes what happens with us is that we diminish ourselves, and we think, "Oh, that person's so far, you know, beyond." No, it's a person. They will appreciate you by doing so. That shows you got some hot spot, (laughs) as they call it in the Jewish tradition. Right? You don't have the mishigas is the confusion you have in your head. Of not doing it and beating yourself up because you don't do it, right? You know, it's so, so eliminate all that. Just go do it.
1: <laughs> I believe that opportunities come by all the time. It's just do we take advantage of them or not? And including me, most of the time we don't.
2: And that's where you have to read, learn, You have to unlearn not paying attention to it because it's those subtle, we're subtle energy beings. The universe is built on subtle vibrations right you know how much perspective just looking at this all right in perspective you move something a quarter inch at the beginning and you're trying to project something out 100 miles it's going to be off off you know multiple miles because you've moved it just slightly back here same thing with subtle energy you move your energy slightly and you open yourself up to a whole new vibratory realm
1: a lot of people talk about that there's basically only two things, love and fear. And if that's true for you, how do we live more in love and less in fear?
0: Um, first of all, you got to love yourself implicitly,
2: unconditionally. Stop the beating yourself over the head with whatever club you're using. Knife or fork or whatever it is, right? Just stop it. Um, accept that you're an imperfect human and be okay with it. Strive to be a better human. This is what, you know, the moral principle. So we got in Live and Let Live, we have the legal and the moral principle. Legal principle, don't be an aggressor, right? And we're working over time to calibrate the law to eliminate aggression planet-wide in any form. Now that's going to take a while, right? Meanwhile, we have the moral principle be a good human. Well, what's that mean? I don't know. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's figure out how that feels and how we can participate in that with our skill set, with our attitude, and with our ability and, and our thoughtmosphere, right? Because everybody brings their idea of the mental construct of reality that they have to some degree now how do we test that all how do we we have a conversation we start talking about we start experimenting to see oh what can we do together right you do this i do that how can we you know gosh that seems kind of naturally fit together and you'll find that as you move forward in your own dream weaving that those kinds of things you know all the what is it i forget who it was it said that when you commit the universe will back you up you have to commit that means you have to commit to you you have to be willing to die for you Sounds familiar yeah (laughs) and so i've had this experience i can back it up right i'm living proof of it I, i don't need i don't In that point, I don't need a belief system. Because when you start testing this stuff, you won't need a belief system either. Because you'll have the direct experience of it. That takes the faith out of it. Doesn't mean you don't have faith. Right? Because I was told, have faith and trust. Everything will be there at its appointed time. That doesn't work just for me. That works for you too. Everyone. Has access
1: now. While you were in the indigo and the light, would you consider it to be more real than what is going on here in 3D world?
2: No, because it- I love the tactile sensations. Right. This, the we have so many more senses in the physical that we can experience. Because there, it's just the high-pitched, iridescent, effervescent.
1: Oh,
0: right.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? that like gets boring pretty quick. Um, to be honest.
1: Interesting. So, so do you think that's why we keep coming back? Is because no, it is boring?
2: No, we keep coming back because we haven't got the memo. That memo is you don't need to leave your body behind. We have several examples throughout history that have already done it. Right? We just don't necessarily want to believe it. <laughs> so and that's okay you know and this is where i kind of have challenges and with the born-again realms and believing that you know jesus is god and what jesus told thomas the book in the dead sea scrolls translated don't ye know that ye are god as i am god right you say that to a christian oh but no right and yet it says we're sons and daughters in the beginning of the book so how do you not take that logic path to a logical conclusion it's just deductive logic, folks. Critical thinking, not that difficult. Seeds are all there. All you get, breadcrumbs are there. All you gotta do is pick them up and eat them. You know? Some of them might even have an ergot with them.
1: Do you see consciousness as a dual system? Your consciousness and no. then separate from the body? Or then no. okay, then do you see as do you see your body as a manifestation of your consciousness?
2: Yes. That point of light. Okay, when you think about it, that point of light comes in at the point of conception, right? So it's there beginning to assemble the body. Once it's out of the womb, how does the body continue to grow? Well, it feeds from the earth, right? Everything that we are comes from the earth. This is where Father Sky and Mother Earth. Mary. This is the wedding
0: that we've that's talked about in the Bible. We all have it. And it's yeah, it's out
2: there as far as you know, someone who is has been in a programmed uh environment that, that's really lockstep with it. I'm going to sound like a freaking lunatic to them because they have no clue because they, first of all, don't have a direct experience of it, nor would they even want to. I get it. Live with it. See it all the time, right? That change how, no, I behave like a freaking kid in public. My wife loves it. I don't know strangers. You
0: know, I just have fun. That's what it's about. You're not having fun. You're doing something wrong not that i want to judge you
2: right <laughs> but if you know when you're in that capacity to live right and i think this is even what jesus talked about to have life and have it more abundantly to have that joy factor escalate exponentiate because that's what we're that's our birthright we just have to acquiesce to it. It's not something you can push your pull, you know, go through the eye of the needle, right? The easier that story, you, you just have to let go and trust and allow.
1: Would you take it as far as surrender?
2: Absolutely. And my wife has a word, When I started talking, being from St. Petersburg, right? Surrender has a totally different meaning, mm. right? This is the interesting thing about culture, cultures merging, right? We know we're twin flames it was obvious the moment we met and we had precursive events that set it up and we recognized all of that so we knew from the get-go and yet she's from russia i'm from america and our our cultures are seemingly vastly different we're taught you know when i first met her it's like oh what a cool partner because here i am doing the harmony among people and planet thing and here's somebody from our identity right not an arch enemy, never has been. There are Putin's not an evil man. He's probably one of the smartest people in the world. And yet the Western narrative would have you disbelieve him and think that he's this, you know, mass murderer and all this kind of crap. Um, not saying that leaders don't do unkind things to others, but as far as his personal activity and the leadership of Russia, very respectable in my opinion. And I would recommend listening to Oliver Stone's interviews with him. If you doubt that, then change your mind. Um, so then the stuff in Ukraine, it's all a facade, right? There's been stuff going on there for 20 years. They've been encroaching on the Russian boundaries. They even built a dam and shut off the water to Russia's fertile land, right? That's aggression. Putin finally said, you know, because there was a couple of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, provinces there that wanted to reunite because they they were dissenters of the way Ukraine was being tra- treated or the Ukraine was treating them, and so there was all this nasty stuff going on in the background. This, as far as I'll go, because um, I don't want to pull that up <clears throat> unnecessary.
1: Now let me stop. Just
2: understand that people think they know stuff when they really don't because you're only getting your information from one source that's saying the same thing, so that. Um, Howard Bloom wrote a great book called The Lucifer Principle, which he did a scientific study of history and how small groups of people manipulate masses by telling them lies over and over again and controlling the media stream, whether it was a town crier or the internet.
1: Let me stop you there for a second. I yeah. want to go back to this. You said that you and your wife are twin flames.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So are you saying that you are two of the same higher selves, that type of twin flames?
2: At the moment of creation, there's a zygote that splits into two, right? It's like the opposite where the two two come together to create the ovum, right? At the beginning, the two are one and they split and they seek each other out throughout what we might call eternity. And they have their choices and they make their choices. And because of those choices, they experience certain things and they may be separated for long periods of time until they begin thinking and feeling and wondering and questioning and writing their own life to prepare for someone of equal yoke to come into their life. That's a lot of preparation. It took me 47 years, 45 years.
1: When you first met, was there some kind of instant recognition of the twin flames? Absolutely. What was that like?
2: It's amazing. You know, I'd, I'd had a dream three weeks before of hugging a woman and merging with her. I have precursive dreams of women that I've had relationship with in my life. This was different. I usually see things. This time I hugged it. I felt it. Totally different. Something was was up. And then uh, uh, we met at her Kundalini yoga teacher training graduation. I was invited by another friend that I was introduced to in a synchronistic series of events. And so I showed up there. And uh, she walked in front of me, about 10 foot in front of me. And my heart literally flipped in my chest. No eye contact. She just walked in front of me. So my spidey senses were like, okay, I'm paying attention. And then we, when she was introduced, I didn't know if she was a guest or a graduate or what. They called her up, Luba Brodsky. Oh, Russian, cool. Right? This is when I started going through the uh, perfect partner thing. She goes up, they give her a plaque certification uh, certificate and then she reads her statements um i am statements i think there were and as she's doing it our eyes catch and i'm like cool and i felt something there too and then afterwards everybody just disappeared and we're in the back of the room together and i walk up to her and i say i you know i find you very intriguing um i'd love to have coffee with you if you'd like and and I'll, i'll even make lunch if you're willing to go that far. And the first question she asked me is, Are you reading me? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, because she goes, No, 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 I'm feeling it too. The reason I said I sorry, I don't blink a lot. And so I'm gazing in her eyes as I'm talking to her without blinking once. And I'm just, you know, I'm so open because I feel this connection with her. And uh, that was how it began. She recognized it. I recognized it. I stepped in because I don't know if she would have. was like, I can't pass this up. My concern was she looked my daughter's age. And I just couldn't go there. But I thought, okay, I'm going to find out. Turns out she's not. She's only, depending on the time of year, she's either 10 or 11 years younger.
1: Right. It's great. Perfect. Yeah.
2: And right. women mature faster than men.
1: That's true. Then
2: Not I'm go- physically, I'm talking mentally and, and right. emotionally.
1: Zen, I'm going to switch gears with you. You're an author of about 20 books, but you do have a book on your NDE. I do. What's the title of that and where can we find it?
2: The title of the book is simply <laughs> Near, Death Experien- or Near Death of a Different Sort. And the subtitle is Dying to Know the Truth. That is the title. My big book is called Stubbing My Toe on Purpose, Toe Meaning Theory of Everything. And the subtitle of that is A Seminal View of Consciousness, Cosmology, and the Congruence of Science and Spirituality. It's about 500 pages. And that book um, its amazing, the story. Um, So back in 1990, when I first did One World, I wanted to emulate two people, Bill Moyers and Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove, hoping someday I would be worthy of an interview with one of them. 1990. 2018 rolls around. One of the sites I manage and created is Ufology Press. I have a voicemail feature there, no direct contact. It's called Snake Mail, I think, uh, or Snake Pipe. So one day I come home site it's been up six years. I get a voicemail. It's Jeffrey. I recognize his voice. He says, hey, I just did an interview with Jason Giorgiani about the, the Grays. And I think your audience be, uh, would love it. Would you take a look at it and help promote it? And I'm like, cool. I, so I went and looked at it, wrote an article, uh, posted the video and the article, sent him the link along with a PDF copy of Stubbing My Toe. And three days later, I get an email back. Hey, would you like to come talk about it?
1: Mm, great.
2: Your dream come true. These kinds of things happen, right? Because I know
0: if it can happen to me. I'm anybody. I'm nobody.
2: I'm nobody. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the thing, you know, even though we are everything I am, The rest is up to your choice or discernment or willingness to play as well as my own.
1: Can we find those books on your website or Amazon?
2: They are on zenbenefield.com along with a bunch of other things. Be careful. There's rabbit holes in the menu. Um, That gives you ways to get familiar with all the burrows and meet all the wabbits, pesky wabbits and the friendly wabbits. Um, And then you can also find them on Amazon.com if you plug in my name. If you would like a free version of one of my recent book, it's called Zero to One, Making Our Way Toward a Conscious Civilization. It is on bethedream.com forward slash zero hyphen two hyphen one. And those are spelled out.
1: After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat. Are you open to that? And if so, how, sh- how do they
2: reach Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I'm Zoomable. I am Zoomable.
1: All right. uh, I
2: go Zoom in all the time, um, like you. you know, right? we're, we're recording on Zoom. Mm-hmm. I can record my show on, on Zoom. The background for my show is the one I'm using now. Um, and, yeah, you know, be respectful of my time, of course you know have some real depth but i'm uh, anyone that I, has known me uh, i'm available you ask questions I, i'm there I, I i don't want to create uh gatekeepers i do my best to to be available sometimes i'm not cuz i my schedule gets busy sometimes
1: Zen, before we finish up can you give us one last positive message
0: hmm
2: be light and I'll include this. So here's here's the quick story about that. Um, energy was really high one night. We couldn't sleep, went out on the back porch, was sitting and talking, had the dome light on. And as we're talking deep subjects, uh, I hear this buzzing and I finally look up and this bee is right in the center of this dome light. It's not moving and it's buzzing like crazy, right? Humming bee or honeybee at 1130 at night. And I look at my wife and I say to her, there's the message she goes what's that i said be light and she's like oh man that's just so perfect and and i said okay now that we've gotten that let's deepen that awareness just a little bit and let's see if the bee will change its circumference in that circle and so we took a couple of deep breaths and sure enough it it moved out and was flying around in a larger circle instead of being right in the center of it and i said oh that's so cool i wonder Well, let's try it again. I said, no, let's deepen it a little bit more. Let's see if we can go a little further and see if it'll make a larger circle, you know, kind of a nature agreement, if you will. And sure enough, it did. And so, you know, these are these kinds of interactions with nature are natural.
0: We just don't choose to acknowledge them often. Put our attention
2: on them, let alone the intention to interact and we do this all the time it's just it's amazing how when you start shifting your consciousness to being more open loving mindful you know non-aggressive in any way the things that happen so be light
1: zen thank you for that message and thank you again for joining me today i really appreciate you and i wish you the best
2: Oh, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And I trust that this will be
0: wonderful for your guests. Uh, Namaste. And in La